0: my lindsey will uh my My Lindsay. (laughs) well i was like my wife i was gonna say my wife but then i was like i don't know what's weirder to infer that everyone listening to this knows the name of my wife at this point or to to, whatever (laughs) welcome to feeling it a podcast where we discuss tv movies pop culture and whether or not we're feeling it this is your first time joining us welcome to the show
1: Or something neat?
0: It's showtime! Hold your ears! Oh, here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright! Buckle up! Let's do this! Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey it's me, again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome everyone. Thank for joining us again on Feeling It. A show where we get together to talk about what we're feeling, whether it's uh, movies, TV, tech, internet videos, um, something we saw out the window that was cool, whatever it is that week that we can't get out of our heads. Um, and this week, the big thing we're going to be talking about is a movie that's on a lot of people's minds, Phantom Thread. But before we get into that, and before we talk about our individual picks for what we're feeling this week, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Um, and when you do, in honor of Sandra being sick last week, me coming down with something this week, And And me never getting sick. Lucas never getting sick. (laughs) uh, Answer the question, if you had to be sick, but you could pick which symptom you had, what would you
2: choose? I'm Sandra Omstetz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And so easy, just fatigue. Just general, like, ladylike fatigue. I just, like, rest in bed and read and watch movies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in the Bay Area. And I would choose... I, f- I forget what it's called. You know, when you like your scalp gets sensitive sometimes when you're sick and you're just like.
2: No, you I guys
1: don't, don't know that. Know that. Not me. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. No. You know when you're sick and you're just like this a little like achy all over, Lu- and th- your we're scalp gets that tingly. One,
2: Lucas never gets sick, and two, he thinks being sick is that his scalp gets a little tingly. This is this where we reminds discover me of life. Lucas is like, like not of this earth. He like, yeah. he's like, you know, you know when you're sick, you know your scalp feels a little strange.
0: It sounds like talking about like uh, a story with a girl. Whenever you've never actually kissed one in middle school, <laughs> just like you know how their lips yeah. just feel like olive yeah. oil. <laughs> like no, it's not how
1: that goes. Okay, so maybe that's not a symptom of sickness. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm
0: sorry, your head gets tender. <laughs> this, is,
2: this is the thing that does Lucas in. Like he's been living his whole life as like an alien or a spy, <laughs> and and this is his fatal flaw. <laughs>
0: I messed up, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Well, your secret is safe with us and the eight people that listen to this. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, my name is Lawson Soward. I am an art director from Nashville, Tennessee. And if I had to pick a symptom, I would pick fever. Because if you have a fever, you don't have a sore throat, you don't have drainage, you can breathe, all that stuff. And you have to be under covers, and it's like you definitely can't go do anything because you're contagious to everyone around you. So you have to stay in bed and chill under covers. And yeah, it's achy and unpleasant, but that's what being sick is. So that's the best way to be sick. Well, this is super depressing. <laughs> Let's bring it up with some great thing that someone is feeling this week. Sandra, do you want to start?
2: Yes. Okay. So, um, this week I am feeling a combination of technologies. Um, do y'all use Kindle, Amazon Kindle, to read um, e-books at all?
0: Yes. I love having a Kindle because I cannot get online. And if I'm on an iPad and can get online, that's all I'll end up doing. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> nice. I use, I have an iPad, but I use the Kindle app on an iPad to read a lot of books. You know, I, I both read books in physical format and in ebook format, but um, but what I'm really liking lately is Amazon owns Audible, which is an audiobook website. And they have this thing available where not with every book, but with a lot of books, if you buy their Kindle version first, you can buy the Audible audio narration at a discounted rate of that same book. Um, Normally if you buy just the audiobook by itself it's like pretty expensive and I rarely ever do that. But often I'll pay like I don't know $13 for the Kindle book and then an additional $5 or $10 for the audiobook. Um and it and it ends up and it ends up being a really good deal. Um one of the reasons I'm liking that in particular is because um when you buy both of them together and the Kindle app or i'm assuming your regular kindle device will do this thing where you can read the book and the audible narration plays along um as you're reading so we'll highlight the words that the, the narrator is reading and that's
0: cool you can
2: just read but have someone be reading the narration to you aloud um And typically, depending on the book you're getting, the narration is very good. You know, Audible tends to have really good audiobooks, not just... It's not just a robot voice, you know, reading out text to you. Um, I'm doing this method. I'm reading Call Me By Your Name right now. Um, I've been really excited to read this book, but I was waiting until I had seen the movie. And now that I've seen the movie... I'm reading the book, and I was so excited about this one because I've heard such great things about the book, but also because the audiobook is narrated by Army Hammer, who has just one of the world's most amazing voices. Um, And so once I'd seen the movie, I was like, great, I get to listen to this audiobook. So I started listening to the audiobook um, just by itself, and I remembered why I don't really love listening to audiobooks. Um, It's hard for me to, like... Especially with a book like *Call Me by Your Name*, there's so much in the stylization of the text, like with the punctuation and italics and the way paragraphs are separated. That there's so many nuances that you don't really get in an audiobook. Um, not a lot. But isn't of that
1: Army Hammer's whole job to like give you that nuance?
2: He does a really good job at it, but there's only so much you can do. You know, I would say, um, I definitely was following along but um you're still missing out on something
0: um (laughs) army hammer's like period next paragraph
2: (laughs) but but, (laughs) yeah but also his voice is so dreamy that there is a chance you get lost in it and you stop like really listening to the story and you're just like letting his voice like envelop your whole being um Mm -hmm. so i start now the other problem is if i were to just read a book like Call Me By Your Name without any audio narration. Um, One problem that I have in particular is that I tend to speed read when I'm reading books and that's not always the best way to do your reading. Um, It works great for me when I'm reading like um, a cheesy romance novel or just like a YA book or something that doesn't have, that's not particularly challenging. I can... run through it really fast. I skip ahead paragraphs that bore me. I like, my eye scans for dialogue in a natural way. Um, A book like Call Me By Your Name, you can't do that. That's not the way it's meant to be read in any sense. Um, So what listening to the audio narration uh, while reading it with my eyes at the same time forces me to do is that it forces me to read every single word and it also lets me keep the nuance that I would keep from just reading it without any audio narration. Um, I'm really, it's really been a game changer for me. Um, it makes, it makes it slower, but that's a good thing. It's a very rich experience, especially because there's a really good narrator. Um, I've done, I've bought this pairing of Kindle and audiobook with a few other books, and I'm really excited to get reading them as soon as this one is done.
0: That's really awesome. I mean, I would so much rather, cause like you said, audiobooks are so expensive. If you can get the physical, or not the physical, but have the text and the audio for even the same price. That's yeah, like it's really essentially,
2: it's usually, I think, a little bit cheaper to get both of those than it is to just get the Audible audiobook. Nice. Yeah, so I recommend it.
0: I
1: usually only listen to books on audiobook because I don't, like, I can get more books listened to, I think, in a year, like, on audiobook than if I would just did physical copy. But I really like the idea of doing both at the same time. I've never even thought of that before.
2: Yeah. I would recommend it. I gonna try it out. It's also just kind of nice to have someone read a story to you. Like, as you're, it feels very childlike, but yeah. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah. I have been on a couple road trips where, um, Lindsay... Uh, has read books aloud that um, that we were reading together or uh, even just something that I was reading, she's offered to, to read it aloud on road trips before. And you're right, Sandra, it is so comforting. Yeah. It's just such a nice, like, I don't know, it feels like it's like a warm blanket for your ears.
2: I love oh, it. Oh, I also just want to mention that Kindle and Audible is really good at, like, keeping where you left off. So if you're, like, listening to the audiobook in your car... Um, and then you, like, open your Kindle. It'll know exactly where you left off and keep that's your cool. place. So you don't ever have to, like, be skipping around in order to be like, oh, but I listened to this here. Now I want to read it here. And now I want to listen to it again. You know, it it knows your shit.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Critical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks, Sandra. No Lucas, problem. what are you feeling this week? Um, sometimes when I'm watching
1: a movie or a TV show or something like that, um, th- one of the songs in it will get stuck in my head and I will have to then go listen to that song over and over again. And that's what happened for me in one of the episodes of Black Mirror. Um, they played a Smith song called Panic that I've heard before and I really love the Smiths. For me, they're just very much a nostalgic band that I don't like listen to often now. Um, but Panic got stuck in my head and I have been listening to it all this
0: week. Do you guys know this song?
2: No, I really don't know any Smiths music.
0: Yeah, all the music I listened to in high school and college, like was inspired by the Smiths, but I never listened mm. to The Smiths. Like it's yeah. my favorite band's favorite band. Yes, yes.
1: Um, I know a lot of people like their ref only reference for the Smiths is like
2: 500 Days of Summer.
1: Five hundred Days of Summer yeah, and mine. stuck stuck up people like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so so I, I have i i feel bad bringing up the smiths as in like you guys should all go listen to the smiths they're so good i promise (laughs) but this song is a ton of fun Anyway, so this played in the episode Hang the DJ um, from this most recent season of Black Mirror. And um, that is a line in the song. And so it's just been stuck in my head this entire week after I watched it. So um, if you need a Smith's fix, I got you.
2: Okay, I'm learning so much because, Lucas, I haven't seen the Hang the DJ episode of Black Mirror yet. I'm excited to. Um, But I saw that phrase on someone's instagram profile before the black mirror season came out and then the black mirror season came out and in my head i was like how did this person like know about this episode before it came i was like really trying to do some mental gymnastics it was really throwing me for a loop and now that makes so much more sense <laughs>
0: They just listened to The Smiths
1: before. right. Lawson, (laughs) what are you feeling this week?
0: (laughs) I am feeling Broadchurch season three. So I don't know if y'all remember like two years ago when I very first talked about this because it had been announced that it was going to happen uh, on BBC. But um, I was flipping through Netflix recently. I'm preparing for a flight to try and download some stuff and saw that Broadchurch season three was on Netflix and I just don't even know when that happened. Um, <laughs> but I am so glad that I saw it. And as soon as I did, I couldn't wait to watch it again. And I marathoned it this weekend uh, with Lindsay and it was just incredible. Broadchurch is better than any other crime drama. I, I think I've ever seen is more beautiful than any other crime drama I've seen um, in like a serialized television format and, um, one of the things I love about this show so much is the cinematography and the music. Um, it could be one of the most uh, gorgeous, vibey background pieces um, without any like script at all. If you just showed all of the landscape shots that they did, um, the way that they frame all of their different... Um, Shots of the characters as they're emoting and playing the music behind it. That in itself would be a gorgeous work. But the, on top of that, the script is fantastic. It's incredibly acted. I was watching it this time and realizing uh, there's David Tennant, a former Doctor Who, acting uh, next to the future first female Doctor Who and the future princess or the future uh, queen Queen Elizabeth. Um, for the crown just just like what a stacked cast that just happened to be in the show together back then and has gone on to do such amazing things um i loved it season one of the other things that's uh, really i think sets this series apart and makes it so um excellent is that uh every season um or series is self-contained um they wrote season one to just be a one-part thing. And so at the end of it, you get real closure. It's a complete story into itself. Whenever Season 2 came around, because it was so popular in Season 1, they wrote it again as though it was that was it, that it tied up a couple of loose threads that had been um, slightly alluded to uh, in Season 1, and then after that, you thought it was over. And when they announced Season 3, I was very excited to get more, but I didn't know where they would go. And one of the things they did with this season... Um, that I loved was beyond having a new case pop up that was uh, really interesting and a super compelling mystery, as it always is in this show, um, was they followed the family who in season one is dealing with the crime that is kind of the, the center point of the entire show. And in season two, they go through a lot of the trial of that, and so you see the family there. And in season three, it's all been you know, as, as resolved as it can be. There's a, a, ju- a verdict has been rendered. Um, the family is just living after this tragedy um, from the mystery in season one happened to them. And I was so struck when I was watching it because I don't get to, s- I don't see that very much. You don't see a family followed through this entire process and just kind of um, taking a really uh, intentional and beautiful look at, Uh, how different people process grief and how different people, um, you know, uh, depression, how a community is affected, how a family can be affected by going through different tragedies. And um, I just, I really appreciated how honest it was. Um, Of course, all of it is fiction, but um, it does a really good job uh, throughout season three of all the things that has done well in one and two. And 3 made it feel like, I mean, they did it again. They pulled off The Amazing feat again. They made it feel like there were loose threads from Season 2, even though Season 2 felt wrapped up, and it just gave you this more rounded, colorful picture of this family and of this town of Broadchurch. Um, I highly recommend it. If you haven't watched it at all, um, Season 1 is worth watching, and if if you don't like that then I I don't understand a lot of things about you but um if you don't like that then you can know to jump off for season 2 or 3 because they're doing a lot of the um it's thematically strong in the same ways. So season 3, it's great. It's on Netflix. You're already paying for that. Go watch it. Nice. I will
1: definitely definitely be checking that you out. You watched season We're, 1 and 2, Lucas, right? I have not watched season 2. Oh man. I know, I'm still behind. But I also watched Grace Point Season one, so that counts, right? <laughs> no, Grace the point, American version that was so bad. Like, I didn't think it watch- was that bad. <sighs> I didn't think it was that bad. It was, I mean, comparatively, it's 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 worse than Broadchurch, Church,
0: but yeah. I actually still liked it. Well, you're more generous than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we move into our main topic about Phantom Thread, uh, what I hear is that Sandra needs a judgment call, yeah. and we're here to help.
2: Yes. Okay. So I have a quick, um, story I want to tell you that I want y'all's opinion. I want y'all to be as impartial as possible. Forget the fact that you know and love me. Okay. Um,
1: I'm already voting. No, (laughs)
2: um, I have a movie theater protocol, um, judgment call. I need y'all to make. Okay. Okay. So here's the story. This is the tale of me versus the movie theater employee. Um,
1: I just want to ask if you're about to incriminate yourself on air. No,
2: no, no, no. I was caught. Okay, in, good. And everything, everything was dealt with. Okay. okay.
1: As your lawyer. So, yeah.
2: No. <laughs> um, my protocol when I am in a movie theater is that when the movie starts, I never. Like, check my phone. My phone both goes on silent and do not disturb Mm -hmm. mode. I either put Mm -hmm. it in my purse or I put it in a pocket. I don't, like, sneak peeks at the time. I've started Mm -hmm. wearing a watch in a movie theater if I really need to know what, like, how long it's progressing. Um, So, I'm a big believer in, like, you don't look at your phone during a movie theater. Okay. Amen. So, I was at the Court, our small independent theater, See, very strict
0: about phones.
2: Yeah, they are. Uh, which is I, which is why I appreciate them. Um, I was seeing a a documentary. Um, now, I, I think it's important to note that there's maybe like twenty five people at the most in this theater at the time. You know, it's like a weeknight document, like very small documentary. Um, I watched the whole documentary. The credits begin. The credits are rolling and rolling and I, sh- I think it's important to say that there's no video happening on the screen it's just music it's just and scrolling b- text okay yeah I classic credits open my phone to check my check the time check my notifications and um
1: are people leaving pe- are people yeah, like filing people are out of leaving. the theater? there's okay. some people still sitting
2: yeah. i'm still sitting mm-hmm. i like to sit through the whole credits of every movie i go to um But there are some people leaving, some people still sitting. Um, I am on my phone. I'm actually Googling something about this film I just saw on the Belcourt website. You know, I want to look something up. And a Belcourt employee comes up to me and says, Ma'am, can you put away your phone until the end of the movie? And I said, sure thing. And I did. But inside, I was like, really? Because to me, (laughs) I think credits should be fair game. I think if there's nothing happening on the screen, like a video, like like some part of the story is still playing out, um, I think credits should be fair game. This Belcourt employee seemed to not think so. I want to hear y'all's thoughts.
1: I mean, I also think it's fair game as long as there's not like any actual like content in the credits, like. I agree. No spoilers. No spoilers. But like, call me by your name credits. If you're on your phone during that, you're a monster. Yeah. Yeah. You're a monster.
2: But again, this is yeah, like, but- this is into the credits. Not even the moment the credits began. But like, <laughs> the credits have been going. Again, yeah. black screen, <laughs> white text scrolling. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I say, and, and people are leaving. Like, that's that's the key. Like, it's, this isn't a Marvel movie where everybody's staying for the, like the fifth credit shot.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. there at most yeah. could be like, 10 or 15 people still left, you know? Yeah,
0: you placed a very important caveat, which was if there's a post-credit sequence going, everybody shuts up, nobody's on their phone. Um, if the credits are rolling and people are leaving, I I think you're in there. That feels very fair game to me. People talk during that time. Yeah. All kinds of movie okay. etiquette things that are completely unacceptable during a movie are pretty universally fine once the credits start rolling. The only thing I'll say in the defense of the bell court is I would rather a, a theater be overly strict about that than overly lenient because tons of theaters you go to are like if you went outside and said hey somebody's in there using their phone they'd be like they would just give you a, a blank stare so I'm glad that bell court's really militant about it I think that particular employee was being too militant about it but I appreciate their overall Stance. I mean, did somebody somebody tell on you or was he just in there? I think
2: he was just in there. That's the other thing. I wanted to keep this between me and him, but another thing I will bring up is that (laughs) the Belfort employees, like multiple, were in the theater because the movie was over and they're about to clean, you know? So to me, it's like if you're entering the theater, like poised and ready to start cleaning, I think I can be on my phone. Also, as he, after he said that to me, another Bellcourt employee walked by with a broom and he checked his phone real quick. And <laughs> now he wasn't like looking at it like I was, like, you know, yeah. but still, I was like, okay, <laughs> I feel very persecuted right now. <laughs> oh man um but yeah so that was just one thing that i was like really is this the standard have i been unaware that this is the standard this whole time i didn't think so but i wanted to no, get San- y'all
1: sandra i think you are in the right okay very much I appreciate in the right that. thank you justice, justice.
0: thanks justice verdict yes hashtag justice for sandra <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well now that that is settled um Let's talk about Phantom Thread. Okay. Let's do it. As I said, I just saw this yesterday, um, and I walked out of it really, like, I really wanted to hear what you guys thought about it. Immediately, because whenever <laughs> I walked out, I had no idea what I thought. So what were y'all's initial impressions, like, spoiler free?
2: I just want to say that before seeing this movie, I feel like I have seen the trailer for this movie. I couldn't even tell you how many times.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were lines that I could quote, like, I got to a as point they where I could <laughs> yeah. quote
2: the almost the entire trailer. Um, ben yeah. Weaver and I had a joke when we watched it together that, like, we we were saying the lines to each other. As the trailer was playing, we feel like we could quote it at parties. I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this trailer so well. And also, I don't particularly like this trailer. Um, so that no. that's another reason why it's like so ingrained into me is like I'm like, I really have to watch this trailer one more time. Um, yeah. so even though I was excited to see this movie because the buzz is so good. The trailer definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. It's kind of a love-hate relationship, though. There are parts, I, because I know it so well, there, I'm a little bit fond of it by now, by this point. But we, have, mm-hmm. we went on a journey together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted Got to set that up. a little Stockholm Syndrome up. going exactly. on. Exactly. I just wanted to set that up for like what my mindset was going into this yeah. movie. Lucas, what were you well, saying?
1: Well, I was going to say, coming out of this movie, day one, I was like, I liked it. It was It was good. Um, day two, I was like, I think I hated it. <laughs> I think it was terrible. I do not. I do not want to rewatch that movie at all. And day three, I was like, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite uh. movies of the year.
2: <laughs> what it was a roller journey. coaster, guys. It was
1: insane. Um, yeah, I just the more I sat and thought about it, um, there were just like. I think day two, I started picking out all of, like, the little pieces that, and I won't get into spoilers at all, but, like, that just really, like, bugged me. Um, and then day three, realizing that all of those pieces were, like, really intentional to the characters and what were, it was trying to were do. Were
2: they pieces, were they filmmaking pieces, Lucas, or character pieces? No, character pieces. Right, okay, character that's what pieces. I was thinking. Yeah. Um, I just... Yeah, the
1: filmmaking is phenomenal. <laughs> I just saw yeah. this
2: movie yesterday afternoon, Um, and... You know, when I left the theater, and while I was watching it, of course, there's so many things to be in awe of. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis just himself is a marvel to watch perform. Um, The the outfits are, of course, incredible. Like, they have to be. There's so many things about this film where you're like, this is masterful filmmaking. And when I left the theater, I told my friend Linda, who I saw it with, I know that that was a great movie. Like, I can watch it and know that that was a great movie. But if I had never seen that movie, I would have been completely fine. I don't... It doesn't do much for me on an emotional level... And yet I can mm-hmm. also tell you it is a great film. Yeah. So that's where I'm yeah. that's yeah. where I'm at right now. Maybe in day three I'll have a different tune. Yeah, wait till day three. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I similarly, whenever I was watching it, I it was just so beautiful. The lighting, the color, I it was incredible. Score. And Paul Thomas Anderson oh. always oh the score was fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Um and everything about it was beautiful. It was a film uh with fashion as its centerpiece. Like, it makes complete sense that all of the clothes and settings and everything were stunning. Um, And the performances were really, really great. Uh, I, you were talking about the trailer. Watching this trailer enough times, it was something I wanted to see, like you were saying, because the buzz was so good, but the trailer made the movie look almost unappealing to me. I just, I don't know. I feel like this uh, Breaking Bad, Don Draper whiplash kind of like, Here's a guy who's an asshole, and he's very demanding, and then there's a woman that falls for him, and then he's terrible to her. There's the movie. You've seen that before. And I was like, I want to see this film because of the buzz, because Paul Thomas Anderson, because Daniel Day-Lewis. But I was worried that that was going to be um, all this movie was, and that is a, a large portion of what this movie is, but that is not all this movie is. It's really fascinating um how much of a study of daniel day lewis's character this is and um i'm trying to remember the name of the actress who played opposite him who's so good um vicky creeps vicky creeps yes um, and i'd never seen her in anything before um but she was excellent as well and a study of their relationship um even though it started off in terms of uh daniel day lewis I think it did a great job of it, telling a larger story of what their relationship was, what a relationship dynamic can be. And I was, I don't know, I, I got more story than I thought I was going to get. I got more, there were a couple of twists that I really didn't, I don't know, they're not like M. Night Shyamalan twists, obviously, but a few turns in the, in the script that I didn't see coming and that were... Um, when he took off his mask and it was Johnny Depp the whole time. Exactly. And I was like, this is, again, I disagree yeah. with this choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I get you. Yeah. P.T. Anderson's tweet in support of it was very disappointing as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I enjoyed this movie more about how I expected to because I thought it looked not, the trailer seemed like it could be a little um, rote. Paul Thomas Anderson directing it, Daniel Day Lewis starring in it, made it seem like it could be really transcendently exceptional, and um, I feel like it fell somewhere in the middle of. Um, it didn't do. It didn't speak a new truth to me that I had never heard. It didn't, you know, all these things that great and transportive cinema can do. There wasn't this thing to where afterwards I'm like, man, I'm going to be thinking about that forever. But I do think this movie would reward repeat viewings and help to understand deeper and deeper into this relationship and into these characters um yeah i I
1: totally i totally know what you're talking about like the with the like the repeat viewing i feel like there are relationship dynamics in this movie that i haven't seen in other movies at all Mm -hmm. um and i think that's to me that's what's exciting about going back and like rewatching this and like seeing those all over again. One
2: thing that I'm excited about in the rewatching like realm is that even though, like I said, even though this movie didn't mean that much to me, there are people that I know that I can't wait to watch this movie with. And and there are so many lines from this movie that I feel like I will be quoting for a long time. Um, (laughs) This movie, one thing that the trailer does not do is it does not let people know how funny this movie is! Like this movie is very, very funny, and yeah, um, I mean, I was laughing throughout, and there are so many lines that as soon as my friend and I got back in the car, we were quoting to each other at how ha- or 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 scenes we were recounting as being particularly funny. Um, and so on that hand, I really think that this, this movie will stand the test of time, and that it will be something that. Um, We reference for a while, at least in like kind of film-minded circles. Um, There are going to be little quirks and lines of dialogue from this movie that I think will be very memorable. Uh, There's, yeah, the trailer, I I, I can't separate conversation about this movie from conversation about the trailer. I think they're so linked (laughs) because because we were just so bombarded with it. Um, And Mm -hmm. because I think so much of us had such a visceral reaction to it. I keep saying that I saw the Phantom Thread trailer just as many times as I saw the Itanya trailer and I was always excited to see the Itanya trailer and always so annoyed that I had to watch the Phantom Thread trailer again. Oh,
1: totally. Um yeah.
2: And I yeah, I it really I don't know if it just set me up for a bad viewing experience or for a great movie movie experience in that regard. Um <laughs> But I yeah, I think I liked this movie. Um, I don't, I couldn't say that I loved this movie, but I think it's a good movie that people should Mm -hmm. see.
1: Um, Something else that's left out of the trailer is Leslie Manville. She, she plays Paul Thomas Anderson's, not Paul Thomas Anderson's, Daniel Day-Lewis's sister. We need to talk about that more in spoilers,
2: because I have some commentary on that.
1: Yes. She's barely in the trailer, but she is a big part of this movie mm-hmm. um and i think she is phenomenal she Absolutely. is she is so good in this thing
2: lucas as mm-hmm. our resident british expert um <laughs> is she in a lot of other properties that you've seen before yes okay
1: yes mainly another year another year is like, oh yeah i think it came out in like 2010 if you guys have heard about I that have. it's a mike lee movie yeah. it's really good and she's uh she plays a central role uh
0: yeah. in that okay well, I have a lot of things that I want to talk about, but they are all spoilery. I mean, this is a movie that doesn't have really big twists and turns, but I think part of the joy of it is experiencing each new thing as it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to jump into spoilers. Is there any final thoughts that you guys want to talk about? I
2: mean, this movie has to win, I would say, best score and best costume design. Um, I, that's what I'm pulling for. And yeah. if it won best actor, I would not be disappointed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. It's interesting to me after all the movie, I, Sandra and I have talked about, um, the lists of movies we're trying to see before our, um, best of 2017 episode. And, um, there's, if you're trying to do that, if you're trying to catch up, I feel like this movie is really good. Good, but I don't know if it has to be on that list. I, I really, really enjoyed it, um, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't make that judgment until I've seen more of those films and could kind of rank it. Because I, I really, really enjoyed this movie, but I kind of I resonated with what you said, Sandra. That like if I hadn't seen it, it's, my life would have been no worse for the wear. Um, but mm-hmm. beautiful all the same. For
1: me, the movies that like usually make it on my top 10 lists are movies that like emotionally moved me a lot um and to me this one wasn't emotionally move it wasn't very emotionally moving to start off with um but it just is something that you think about so much that you just keep coming back to this movie so it's very different i would say
0: all right uh you know i'll take spoilers yes okay
1: before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas.
2: Spoilers.
1: Remember, you wanted this.
2: Okay, so I want to bring up the trailer again. So because (laughs) I've seen this trailer so many times and I have it memorized, um, there was a big part of me watching this movie that was checking off moments. Like, okay, that moment from the trailer has happened. That moment from the trailer has happened. There's an iconic Line, they're all iconic because I know them all. um, But there's a line in the trailer that I think was cut out from the movie. And that is the sister telling Mm -hmm. Alma, my brother, he feels like he's been cursed, you know? Um, Yep. And then also another line from the trailer where Alma says to Daniel Day-Lewis, you're not cursed, you're loved by me. Um, (laughs) And I just... um, was like you know it was interesting that that was in the trailer but didn't make it into the film.
1: Also, the shot where he checks his ring when she says you're not married. Oh, interesting. Or checks his ring finger is not in the movie but was in the trailer. Mm. Just little things because as it, as it came up, I was like, ah, he's gonna do that little thing, and he didn't do the little yeah. thing. But <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it should. It doesn't matter. But I I do love that like they didn't play too hard on like the cursed. Line like because that's that was one of the things about this movie that I was like oh this is gonna be this guy who's like thinks he has the worst life and he's cursed and it's (laughs) it's all terrible and he's a genius and rich and like and he's just gonna treat everybody badly because he thinks you know he's whatever I'm bad news babe I'm no good for you exactly and and that's not what it was like obviously he was a genius and. Like super talented and rich, and didn't treat people well, but that's not like the story. Um, The tortured genius story was not what this is, and so I was happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm happy they didn't play into his Uh, self pity too much. I will
2: say though, from a continuity point of view, I think they did the film a disservice because um, Linda, who has not seen the trailer as many times as as I had, was very confused by the never cursed label that she found. And like, Mm -hmm. I I think that they hint at it without actually having that moment where she says he feels cursed. And
1: I think he says he feels cursed at one point.
2: He, the only point that he says it or that I remember is when his mother's ghost is in the room. Um, and it's Mm. very like, quick it, it, he doesn't and yeah so i think we understood all of that because we know that trailer so well <laughs> i really do and i think she was like what was that what why did that ha-? you know like it was more yeah. confusing for her because she didn't understand the context of those moments um mm-hmm. and we did so i'm gonna say that that is a flaw on the film's part or at least the i don't know if you're i i I think it's a really bad call to put stuff in the trailer that isn't in the movie because I just think it now, always does this to in people. In this
1: instance or like a blanket statement?
2: I'm going to say a blanket statement. I'm sure there are exceptions. Ooh. I'm sure there are like co- comedic reasons why like something might work in a trailer better than it does in the film. Mm-hmm. Um but generally, I think it's a bad idea.
1: I like it in Marvel movies, too, because it doesn't give away anything, though. Yeah. It's just like, we're just, we'll just throw this in here. This is a whole sequence that wasn't in the, Yeah. Like, the Spider-Man trailer has so much that's just not in the movie. Right. It's just cool shots and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: Cool action shots yeah. don't bother me that much. Or, like, alternate takes, like, in a from a mm-hmm. comedy don't bother me that much. But when it's, like, a deleted scene like this... Um I'm not a big fan.
0: So one moment that I really felt really pivotal to me was the moment whenever she was at the wedding and saw the woman um kind of
2: drunk pass out drunk. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and I was so surprised in that moment because it kind of like it made sense, like her emotional arc made sense, but I could have seen her going either way because Daniel day Lewis's character was so controlling and she had been so tired of it. Um, not nearly as tired of it as she gets later in the film, but like at that point I could have seen her being really angry and going the other way. Or the, the fact that she took up his side at that point was surprising to me and I was like, oh, they deserve each other now. Like They both buy into this on the same level.
2: I mean, it leads to the most romantic moment in the whole film, I would say. <laughs> that like, th- I think that's the first kiss that we see between them, is that is, kiss yeah. in front of the window on the sidewalk. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this very sweeping moment.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's when he tells her he loves her. Right? No, no, she tells no. him she loves him, but he doesn't. Oh, know that's right. That's kid. right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I just, I it took her, him saying "kiss me before I get sick" right at the end of the movie for me to be <laughs> like into their relationship. Because before that, I was just like, Daniel Day-Lewis is a controlling dick and she needs to leave. Like, needs to get out of this thing. Like, I know he could be charming or whatever, but from the moment he met her, he's just like, you should do this. I'm taking this. Just like dictating everything to her in her life, which is his personality. Um, But until that moment of recognition that he wanted to be mothered and he wanted to be um, put in his place and all of those things and taking, adding to the rhythm of the house, them being sick, um, him making her or her making him sick, uh, as part of their life's rhythm was something that he was interested in. And it was like a fucked up thing that worked for them. Um, up until that point, I was just, I don't know, I was all on Alma's side and I wanted her to, like get out of there yeah i don't know if i wanted her to leave the entire time
1: but i was like i i mean obviously you feel more for her than you feel for him even though most of this you see a lot of his perspective um i think her like not feeling like she had a real place in that house um, was done really well. Just all Mm -hmm. throughout the movie, you see just kind of her moving around and like, sometimes she's in powerful positions within the house and sometimes she's just pinning or like holding pins for like one of the, one of the sewing ladies and just not her, not knowing like what her place is there and it being super frustrating for her. Um, I thought that was done brilliantly.
2: Can we talk about how funny this movie is? Um, Ugh, from, the, so from the very beginning, I laughed so hard at this line when he says, I cannot begin my morning with a confrontation. or I cannot begin my yes, day with yes. a confrontation. I laughed so hard and I want that to be my email signature and my work email.
0: <laughs> I simply don't have time for confrontations. I
2: cannot begin my day with a confrontation. Um, uh, there's so many things that he says that are so funny in, like, his particularness. Um, mm-hmm. I saw someone on Twitter compare him uh, in this movie to the Steve Harvey memo. Have y'all ever read that?
0: No. Oh, yeah. Y'all, I Lucas, know exactly you've You have about. to look
2: at this memo that Steve Harvey put out on the set of Family Feud. It's just, like, oh my all these very specific requirements for even speaking to him, and, like, it's so funny. And it's very much of this mindset of, like... I'm the I'm the talent I'm in charge everything that I feel um needs to be like catered to my whims you know yeah um, yeah it's very funny and um every time there was a scene of her making noise while eating, man yes. was that mm-hmm. funny
0: the sound design was so good yeah because oh, it yeah. didn't seem overblown but man it was loud yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Also, you only see Leslie Manville drinking tea in any of those scenes. All she does in the morning is just sit there and drink uh, tea. But she is a presence in this movie, yeah. guys. She was oh. amazing. My my favorite scene of this movie is when Vicky Creeps walks off and he starts going at her and she just shuts him down. Yeah. She's like, I will go through you like a freight train. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. so
2: that scene is so important. In Yes. Like, Showing us what their power dynamic is, because up until mm-hmm. that moment, you think that she is just like one of his girlfriends or his seamstresses, like that she is completely obedient to him and like under his control. And in that moment, you realize what a partnership it is. and
1: see i never I never felt that way. I felt like more like she stayed out of his way, like she took care of the business like yeah. she was very much i mean um i guess equal, I never... but more of like, less of a force than he was. I
2: never felt that she was on the same level as all those other women. I definitely felt that she meant more to him than anyone else in the world and that, like, she could Mm -hmm. speak to him in a way that other people couldn't. I definitely sensed that. But I also still sensed that he was, like... It was him and then her versus them on an equal playing field. Well,
0: Mm -hmm. it felt like she got into his inner circle by being the one that was best at staying out of his way and knowing how to cater to him. And in that moment, you realize, no, she's in his inner circle because she's the only one who can, like, scare him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That scene was great. Another scene that she – I particularly think is, like, such an interesting scene about her is when Mm -hmm. – He's complaining to her about Alma, and then Alma comes into the room, and then he realizes yep. that Alma's in the room, and he says to her, um, what a model of politeness the two of you are. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's just so interesting. It just shows her hand in such an interesting way, and it shows the connection that she and Alma have, whether it's like, whether she likes her, or whether she doesn't, kind of a respect that she has for Alma um mm-hmm. where she doesn't prioritize him in that moment and it's all just so fascinating. It's it's such a telling scene in many ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I also just yeah. want to say I loved the visual the visuals of her um dealing with those mushrooms and grinding them up and like that procedure was like
1: oh yeah. real
2: great to yeah. watch.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think all of the Like, just the food and cooking and, like, people eating and stuff like that in this movie was really, really beautiful and made me super hungry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the intense close-ups just overall were so Mm – I was like, oh, I don't get this in any other movie. Whether it was um, putting together buttons or putting up the back of a dress or cooking like you were saying, it was always just so beautiful.
2: Uh, Another line that we laughed at or scene that we laughed at so hard – was when he meets Alma for the first time and is ordering breakfast, and he just mm-hmm. like keeps adding food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even when he just says, "I'll have a Welsh rabbit," like like I'll have a whole rabbit. <laughs> yes. yes. And that just that's starting then he keeps up, going. and then yeah, and sausages and cream, <laughs> cream and, and jam, not strawberry. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um. I also really laughed at like the arguments that Alma would have with him, Um, the way she would kind of like mock him and impersonate him and Mm -hmm. she would like make these noises. (laughs) It was very childish, but I don't say that in a negative way. It was, um, I think oftentimes when we see people argue in movies, it's, um, humanity at its like sharpest you know we see people Mm -hmm. have like perfect barbs and like really stating both their cases in like a sharp biting way and this felt so much more real in that she couldn't always get out what she was trying to say or she had to resort to like making noises versus using words and that just felt so much more realistic to like when you're so Mm -hmm. angry this is how you're trying to fight with someone yes and it's
0: also such a statement to how many things in that house just went unspoken yeah and so whenever she was trying to describe the things that were infuriating there weren't words for it there was definitely the feeling that she felt like there was no place for her there and so many things were so meticulous and there was no room for any spontaneity or anyone else's uh, life other than um, Daniel Day Lewis's. But she, there was no language; <laughs> she had to just uh, just burst yeah. like that. I think it's really interesting how like
1: this movie is set because we never like nobody ever talks about like when this is set.
2: Like mm-hmm.
1: it's it's very obviously like nineteen fifties England, but nobody ever talks about where they are nobody talks about like where when this is yeah. they mentioned it's just being kind in london. of like what they
0: mentioned being in london but very briefly
1: oh yes you're right you're right they do mention london but like you're just kind of like dropped into this house and or really these two houses <laughs> the country house and the city mm-hmm. house um and there's not a lot going on outside of it which i think is a really great world building just for her just also to kind of be dropped in here um and just trying to figure your way out
0: (laughs) with what's going on. So I thought it was a really, really smart move. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious in the scene, whenever he eats the mushroom omelet at the end, one of the mm -hmm. best,
2: most tense scenes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Well, it was, it was such a ride because when it started off and she was cutting it up, you think she's just making powder. And then you realize there's, she's using all of it. So many mushrooms And then you realize she's stone cold doing it right in front of him. like (laughs) (laughs) just like preparing it like there's nothing wrong. And so the thing that I am so fascinated by, and I think part of what makes that scene so tense and beautiful is the ambiguity of it. But I think it's interesting to talk through trying to discern when he realized she was making poison mushrooms for him. Like when she realized that he was making her sick. Making him sick. Did you feel like at any point he got that, or was it like?
1: I think it was. Said, I think it was then. I think it was when she right said, then. "I want you on your back." No. No. I mean, I, I, I think that. I think. I think that 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 whole time though of of him watching her cook. Um, I think he knew about the mushroom, but uh, like before that scene, I don't think he knew.
2: I think it's hard for me to pinpoint when that character knew because there's something maybe an argument to be made that maybe he even knew before she started cooking like maybe he had a sense that this was something she wanted to happen maybe she like pressured him to go to the country house maybe all these different things but the scene, the moment when i knew that he knew for sure was when he had just one bite of mushrooms on his fork was like mm-hmm. waiting for her to stop him. To
1: say something. Yeah. 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 And yep.
2: then put the bite in his mouth and then didn't swallow for the longest time. Again, mm-hmm. just like his
1: yeah. him chewing. Yeah. Like he just put it in his mouth and didn't forever. even chew. <laughs> and then he started chewing and just kept chewing. That's the
2: moment when you like and just waiting. you know that he it's knows. So good. Like you know he yep. knows. And yep. you're just wait- he's waiting for her reaction to it. Um mm-hmm. also it's again one of the reasons why I know this movie is so good is because that scene was both incredibly tense. You're wondering, is she trying to kill him for, like, for good? Um, Right. Or does he know all that? And then it breaks it up with the funniest moment of her pouring that water of...
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of
2: her (laughs) pouring the glass of water and, like, bringing it up so high in such an obnoxious way. It's...
0: Moving the lamp with her
2: just things like that are so funny yeah and you have this tension building and building about is this final is this force of wills finally coming to its end you know and then you realize like no that they both this is like an act of desperate love between each other um is it was very like sickly romantic yeah
1: yeah definitely yep
2: Mm -hmm. um I'm sorry to bring this back to the trailer one more time, but um, <laughs> when we got into the car, it was so funny because Linda said to me, she goes, you know, I really thought this movie was going to be a lot more about like secret things hidden in clothes. <laughs> like, I really... Oh
0: my Yeah, I did too.
2: Like, she really... I was like, I, was just, I really thought there was going to be a lot... More important to the plot, like like he's gonna have a secret hidden in a garment. I hide things she... in the lining. Yes, <laughs> secrets, <laughs> buttons, yeah. <laughs> um, coins. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I told her, I said, you know, the first. Three times I saw this trailer, I probably felt that as well. But the more and more I saw this trailer, the more obvious it was to me that that was not going to be a part of this movie at all. You know that this wasn't a spy film about a secret message hidden in a coat. You <laughs> know, um, yeah. But again, I'm going to say that that is a flaw of the trailer that it really sets you up for a different movie.
0: Well, I think um, the that theme still holds very true in the cut that I in the final cut, like. The idea, not so much a spy or espionage angle, but the idea that there's something that you try to keep hidden. Um, He was trying... He had all these things he wanted to express, but he was so uncomfortable being vulnerable about them that he would only tuck them into places that people couldn't see whenever he was uh, making these garments. And she wanted to see all of what was... She wanted to see his vulnerability, and I think that was a really amazing moment whenever she was working on the um the wedding dress and saw that one of the things that was so important to him to put into the seam was this idea of never being cursed. And like to me her so much of what she wanted to do was to see him kind and vulnerable and to see the things that he sewed into the the seam of who he was but didn't show anyone. And so like that still came through um to me, but it's yeah, I think the it, flaw
2: <laughs> is that when you begin a trailer with that line, you immediately put the audience's mindset into um something secret, something hidden, something like something a little bit more um exciting, you know, on a on a neural level. Some intrigue yeah, or something. Yeah, intrigue exactly. Um when that's the beginning of your trailer and then your trailer is very um like, the, the pace of the trailer is much faster than the pace of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I just think it sets the audience up for, like, something different. Um, I think the line itself is fine in the movie. I just think that the way it's... The trailer opens with it is, you know, tonally incorrect.
0: All right. Yep. So this is the last trailer we watch for any movie that we review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I love trailers. I do think trail. Trailers are a beautiful art form, which is why I'm so critical of this one. And I, but I, here's the thing that is so twisted about it is that do I really hate this trailer if I can if I keep reciting lines from it? Like, do <laughs> I? I don't know. I can't tell anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, two of my favorite movies of the year so far were movies I didn't see trailers for, and I don't know if that's just because they hit me so emotionally or because I didn't see the trailers or if it's a combination What were the two? But, uh I'm thinking of Coco and The Last Jedi right now.
2: Oh, okay. I hadn't seen you didn't see a trailer
0: for Coco? Yet. No, I never did. I heard it was supposed to be good, but I never saw a trailer for it. Oh, nice. I just knew it was about Day of the Dead and that's it. It's good.
1: Yeah. 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 I would say I would say to wrap this up. Yeah. Um I think, I think if like, if you know, if you've seen a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, you kind of know what movie, what kind of movie you're getting into. Um, but overall, this is not like, not a lot actually happens in this movie. It's a lot of this, just like conversations in rooms. This <laughs> which, is my
2: first Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. I'm just. Oh. oh, nice. Yeah. You should. I the, think
0: you should see the master.
2: It's I so started good. the master and did not finish it. Mm. <laughs>
0: Um, this
1: is definitely one of my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, yeah, I I
0: am excited to share this movie with people. Me too. I think it'll be great. I yeah. This is a movie that I'm excited to read more about. One of the things that typically helps me with a piece, like a a, a more artur work or something, is um, especially when it doesn't have just a super strong immediate emotional resonance, is reading about it and um, hearing some people's interpretations and kind of mulling through them and helping my own understanding. And that's not something I was able to do with this and something I wish I had been able to do before the podcast, but I'm, I'm very glad that I saw it and I am really looking forward to reading into the text more and potentially seeing it again. So. Alrighty. Good deal. Well, um, let us know what you thought of the movie at feeling it pod on Twitter, or you can reach out to us individually. Um, that always works. Uh, Lucas, where can people reach out to you?
1: You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Lucas and Stuff. Sandra,
2: I'm Sandra Omstutz, and my social media handles are at Sandra Omstutz everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can find me at Lawson West, uh, all over those same places. And we will be off
1: next week, but the following week we will be back with our top ten movies of 2017.
0: Finally, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye now.
1: Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you
0: soon, okay?
1: That's it? Go home? Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.